0: This episode is proudly sponsored by Independent Unit Management, offering comprehensive property services trusted by over 8,000 property owners. IUM enhance, manage, and protect New South Wales properties statewide, ensuring you have the power to protect not only your individual investment, but the collective Strata asset. We're very thankful for Jeff at IUM for being the founding sponsor of MyPeak. Contact Jeff and the team of strata managers at
1: ium.com.au. Today's episode is also proudly sponsored by property law firm DMC Lawyers. DMC is offering 10% off for all MyPeak community members. They're a local law firm operating out of Gregory Hills, specializing in commercial leasing and commercial and residential conveyancing. Dino is also an invested MyPeak member. Contact Dean and the team at DMC Lawyers on 0456 970 507. Let's get into it.
0: G'day and welcome back to the MyPeak podcast. We're athlete coaches specializing in cricket through holistic development we focus on you
1: as a whole to reach your peak performance my peak stands for pre-elite athlete creation in this podcast we give you the tools to transform from the pre-elite to the elite today on the podcast we have professional cricketer from the tasmanian tigers and hobart hurricanes ian carlisle
0: ian is a local junior in the macarthur region who took the opportunity to pursue his dreams becoming a rookie contracted player down in Tasmania with the Tigers.
1: On today's episode, we discuss with Ian what it takes to be a professional athlete, his move down to Tasmania, and what it's like to be around elite cricketers each and every day.
0: This is a great episode for young athletes out there who want to follow a similar path and start a professional career at a young age.
1: We are continuing the trend. We are joined today by Ian Carlyle. Ian, how are you doing, legend?
2: I'm good, mate. How are you?
1: yeah going really well actually ian tell us uh i'm sure preseason's kicked off for you guys but um what's happening in the life of ian at the moment down in uh sunny tasmania
2: yeah uh not very sunny at the moment unfortunately um but no we've kicked off preseason. we've been going for we're in week two now which is pretty much all just a fitness block at the moment so we're five days a week a couple of sessions a day at the moment which is uh which has been tough. We've got a new S and coach who's not actually here yet, but he's been setting the program. So we're doing a lot of different stuff than we've done in previous years. So I'm sorry in places I didn't know I could be sore at the moment. But <laughs> yeah, it's been tough, but it's good.
1: The magic question, legend, is have you done your two K time trial yet?
2: Yeah, I have done my two K time trial.
1: Tell us the time.
2: Uh, I was only 6.54 this time, oh, unfortunately.
1: Uh, only 6.54? That's that's quick, brother. That, what do you mean, unfortunately? Um, Have you gone quicker than that before?
2: Oh, uh, well, yeah. The last two times I've gone 6.30 on the nose. Um, yeah, the problem is I, I had a little bit of bone edema on my back um, over the off season, so meant no running for eight weeks. So that was about my, I think it was my fourth run back.
1: No, so, oh, well done, mate. That's not yeah, bad that's...
2: considering, but.
1: Not bad at all where did where did um who finished in front of you? how many boys broke the sub seven
2: uh just two it was silky won it with I think six fifty two or something um yeah, it was terrible conditions we had a massive headwind, so um I think there would have been a few more boys that would have got uh under the sub seven and you know maybe we might got have, might have gone even quicker
1: yeah <laughs> uh, good to hear mate well, are uh, those listening to the podcast um probably know a little bit about you Ian obviously we coach here in Cameltown, also the Penrith region. And you grew up here um, in Cameltown, Camden, eventually after sort of moving up from uh, the South Coast. Do you want to tell us a bit about your pathway to where you are now? We've actually interviewed a lot of um, players in the past couple of weeks that have made the interstate move. And and how's that been for you?
2: Yeah, it's been good. Uh, Very grateful um, for the opportunity from Cricket Tasmania um, back when I was 19. I'm actually uh, in my fifth year now. Which is uh, a little bit scary. It feels like I've I've only just moved down, to be honest. Um, but no, it was it was good. I was, yeah. i I've, I feel I'm very lucky to have um, come down to Tasmania, especially um, being at be part of the squad that we've got or the squads that we've had in the past as well. Um, and yeah, just the opportunities that I've been given down here have been been quite good. To well, they've shown a lot of faith in me and always spoken about um me as a long-term prospect so um yeah it's been uh it's been good to be be down here and and playing cricket
1: Mm. i uh wanted to ask you a question because you mentioned right there that you've been down there for five years already and um yeah that that actually blows my mind to hear you say that but it's been a bit of a a bit of a wait for you to get some opportunities down there which obviously would take a lot of uh whether it's um mental preparation or mental skill just to help you get through that waiting. What's it been like, you know, in the midst of an opportunity or you, you, know, tell us a little bit about that four or five year process to get that that shield game under your belt last year.
2: Yeah, um, definitely a massive process. Yeah, I definitely a roller coaster of emotions and different mental phases um throughout. Um very grateful that I made my debut when I did because I think it's certainly uh, last year as a whole was definitely the, the best mental space that I've been in um, since I've been down here. Um, but no, I, I came down with stress fractures in my back when I was 19. Uh, so didn't play, played my first game of club cricket uh, December of that year and basically was told that I wasn't going to play any second 11 cricket or wasn't going to play any shield cricket or anything like that. It was just going to be a year in club or half a year in club cricket just to get through that and uh, play a little bit more men's cricket and things like that. Um, So that was starting. Then the end of that year was COVID. So Mm -hmm. then I had to quickly jet out of Tasmania, did six weeks or actually a bit longer in New South Wales training, and then came back for my first pre-season, which ended up being – I think preseasons nowadays. I think last year our preseason was maybe 12 or 14 weeks. I think this one ended up being pretty close to 20 weeks. Wow. Um, so it was a pretty interesting introduction into um, that sort of training load and um, of preseason. But I, I felt like I did really well, and then had a pretty good year that year. Uh, I don't think there were really any opportunities for me. I think I was maybe a sniff for a game at the end of the year, but. Um, I think I was a little bit cooked by the end of that year. And then the season of 2021, 2022, um, that was probably the toughest year I've had down here um, and probably definitely the worst mental state I've been in. Um, I think that year I was so hell-bent on playing and that was my goal. And it was an outcome-based goal that was completely out of uh, out of my control, which As you blokes would know, is not not the way to set goals. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then being in Tasmania for the whole of the preseason, I wasn't able to go back home again throughout that time. Um, And then we had the first, I was bowling really well in the nets, but that was all I could, all I could bolt because the first five or six rounds, seven or eight rounds maybe even of great cricket where we only played maybe two games. Wow. So I think I played my third third game of cricket that year uh, was a second 11 game right at the end of November. And I did really well. It took, I think, seven or eight wickets for the match. Um, Bob probably the best they ever had up until that point. Um, and then woke up the next morning with probably one of the more deflating feelings I've ever had just because – it was like there were no more Shield games after that and no more one-day games after that. It was the big bash break. Mm-hmm. And I was just like the realisation that I'd i done all that for nothing. In mm-hmm. terms of immediate impact, it was like, well, I can't get picked in anything. Um, I wasn't didn't have a big bash contract. Um, didn't look like I was getting a replacement. gig anywhere, anytime soon. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a bit deflating that you kind of do all that work for four days and... Bowled really well. And then it's like, well, the next Shield game's February 15 or whatever and you can't go on someone's form from two and a half months beforehand. Um, so, yeah, and then bowled really well in second 11 that year. Took a heap of wickets, um, but there was just no opportunity there for me. Um, I didn't take many wickets in club cricket at all either. Um, but, yeah, it was just tough. Like We're stacked with Jackson Bird, Peter Siddle. Riley Meredith was there. Nathan Ellis, um, Sam Rainbird was bowling really well at the time. Um, Gabe Bell, Lawrence Neil Smith, um, and then I was right at the back of that pack. Whether I was bowling um, good or not, I didn't. It was quite tough to overtake people on net form and things like that. Um, and then last year, I was just, I just simply didn't care whether I played or not. Um, I kind of understood that I wasn't going to leapfrog anyone um, and just kind of accepted the fact that it was more than likely that I wasn't going to be able to play. Um, so it was just about getting better. So I had the opportunity to go up to the Gold Coast and play in the T20 Max tournament. Um, went up there, did really well, which was unreal. I really enjoyed my time up there and probably one of the reasons why I ended up getting the Hurricanes contract um, mm-hmm. last year because I I kind of flagged that my white ball game wasn't where I wanted it to be from the previous year. Um, so it was a massive focus to get better on that. And our new bowling coach from last year, well, we still got him, but he was new last year, um, really helped me to work on that and made a few technical changes that kind of felt like I was able to bowl with far more accuracy and still bowl at the same pace and even quicker, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and because I'd taken those wickets at the start of the year kind of meant that I was able to – I wasn't chasing any wickets or anything. It was just go out and bowl well and then ended up taking more wickets and more wickets, and that was kind of just the story of the year. I just kind of kept taking wickets and, yeah, it culminated in getting the, the one-day game at the end of February and then the Shield game in mid-March.
0: You touched on that you're in the best mental preparation or mindset – when you debuted, Ian, and you were avoiding more the outcome goals. Do you want to just maybe touch on a few of the more processed things you did that allowed you to be in a good mindset for your debut?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say it was I, – I wish it was more – I wish I almost had more to be able to tell because it was just kind of like – I don't know, it was just a feeling and a lot of it was probably unexplained, Um. But I think the confidence of bowling well, knowing my own game really well last year, um, uh, biggest change tactically that almost gave me more confidence mentally was um, a lot of the conversations around length um, and the fact that when you're down in Tassie, everyone talks about
0: Mm.
2: pitching it up and letting the ball swing, move. um, And naturally, if I miss, I miss full. Um, so already trying to be full and then if I miss, I miss full, um, it's probably not a great recipe. So kind of having the conversations around that there are a lot of balls that batsmen are going to think hitting the stumps that are nowhere near hitting the stumps. Yeah. Um, so creating the almost, uh, deception and almost recalibration of length for the batter, uh, where they'd they think that a ball's far fuller than it is just because it's fuller than what you've bowled in the past. And mm. then they start trying to drive at things they probably shouldn't. And, yeah, having wickets in the bank helped. Um, not trying to take wickets and just being able to control the scoreboard and and just come in and try and bowl fast and hit the deck hard um, meant that I felt like mentally I was I was ready to play and really confident in my, in my own game. So it probably wasn't so much... Any mental exercises or changes in mindset, but well, it was a changing mindset, but it was more a tactical changing mindset, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it sounds to me like the extra preparation in terms of tactical just flew into that confidence that you took into the game. And I'd be interested, Ian, to hear you're someone who I have spent a bit of time with, someone who's pretty disciplined and, and pretty thorough with their commitment and their preparation when obviously you're still young and you're fine tuning and polishing. Um, yourself to be the best athlete, but what does um, your preparation look like, particularly when you had those really good games, you know, taking the wickets or, you know, before you debuted, what kinds of things are you doing leading up to the game to be like you said, ready mentally?
2: Um, I think I'm one of those bowlers who I probably can't really put the handbrake on. I feel like I always kind of go at a hundred percent and two of the big things I probably bring to teams is and my bowling style is is kind of energy and, and effort and I think training the way you play is massive. I think um, not taking my foot off in the gas in training and trying to bowl um, you know hit the deck as hard as I can and keep bowling fast and making every training session as challenging as possible mm. um, for the batters. Uh, I felt like it was it was noticed as well, last year in my training that I was training really well um, in that space. So I sort of that that confidence and knowing that people recognizing what you're doing. So you're kind of like, right, okay, this I'm clearly doing something right, so I better keep doing it. Um, I'd say that's really crucial for me. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I changed too much in terms of my preparation. Potentially it was even more relaxed going into games. Um, almost didn't put as much weight on on preparing almost mm. and, and, and making sure that I did some of the small things, but as a whole, you know, a Friday night, you know, um, just having, you know, some dinner with my roommate and all my missus and just relaxing, watch something on TV. And then, yeah, maybe, you know, making sure my bag's packed the day before a game and things like that and things are laid out. And then I wake up in the morning and... um you know, have my smoothie or whatever, ready for the game and and just kind of go out there and get after it.
0: Ian, you mentioned a few very good names that were in front of you uh, prior to you debuting, guys, like you said, Bird and Siddle and Ellis as well, and Meredith, like you said, some very good names. What have these guys done for you as a player and being around them at training, what are perhaps some qualities that they have that separates them to some of the more elite bowlers in the country? Mm. Um,
2: yeah, I think obviously the underlying thing is is a lot of hard work and effort and um, blokes wanting to come in and get better every single day and compete especially. Um, Sids and Jacko are probably two of the biggest competitors that I've come across. Um, Nate Ellis as well, got a fantastic work ethic and certainly doesn't take anything for granted um, coming from where he came from. Um, but yeah, I think just being able to take small things off those blokes and just being around them and, you know, becoming really good mates with them. Um, whereas, you know, you're able to have those kind of conversations that go a little bit deeper um, than potentially other people would be able to get access to. And, you know, you're bowling with them every day and you can easily just go, oh, what would you do there? Why would you do that? Or, you know, how would you prepare for this? How would you how would you bowl to this batter kind of thing? Um, you know, Sid is really good at kind of coming up and, Seeing things, and and kind of pointing out what he thinks, and then Jacko is more the kind of bloke you go to, and you he kind of explains it um, after you poke him a little bit. But yeah, they both have um, a wealth of knowledge, and then yeah, even a Billy Stanlake, we got him as well. Um, you know, bloke played for Australia when he was 22, and I debuted last year for Tassie at 23. So he's <laughs> he's been around the world, and he's still only 27, 28 years old, and he didn't play a game last year and was injured pretty much the whole year, but um, is a fantastic bloke to talk to and has certainly seen the highs and and a lot of the lows in the game. And um, it's certainly someone that, you know, you can easily talk to and lean on for support through whatever you're going through.
1: Ian, with those guys, obviously leaving Jackson Bird and Siddle going back to sort of their home states, what kind of, not, not whole, but what kind of opportunity is that left for, guys like you and a couple of the younger bowlers coming through now to take maybe a little bit more leadership around training. It's funny, like you've been there for five years, you would consider you to be quite a leader in that squad now. Um, How's the dynamic change and and how does it sort of change your role around the group?
2: Yeah, I think I've, I've always been someone who's uh, trained really well and I think um, has always led, led the pack in terms of some of the physical stuff and running and, um, pre-season training and things like that, um, so that doesn't change. And yeah, I think it's an opportunity for everyone. I think it's one of the, it's the first year that I've been down here where I've actually I can get picked in the first game. Mm. Um, whereas in previous years, there's no way you're going to pick you know bloke who hasn't played um, on net form over you know these other eight really good bowlers who've got fantastic shield records and international records. So, um, yeah, it's a – I think everyone, especially in the bowling group, can kind of sense that there's an opportunity there um, to fill that hole and and prove that, you know, we're able, as, as good as they were and as fantastic as they were for the team and the organisation that, you know, we can win without them and then we can play really good cricket without them. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's just really exciting, to be honest. Like, I, I can't wait for um, – the potential for the opportunities that
1: I could get this year. Does net bowling now become super important because there's spots up for grabs round one? Is is that where the selection criteria comes into play?
2: Uh I'm actually not sure to be honest. Yeah. Um net bowling is always important. Um it's certainly not the all and end all. Um I think it'll probably be more on who's doing really well in in and around September time when the teams start getting picked if there's someone with really, really good net form or I think there will be... Ideally, we're going to have a couple of squad games and, um, you know, the Queensland tournament will be in and around that time again that um, blokes might go up there for again. Um, so, yeah, it's probably not one for me to answer, but um, if I'm bowling well in the nets, hopefully I'm getting picked.
0: Mm. Knowing that you're a great chance to, you know, be in that first Shield game this year, and do you change... Have, or going to change anything for your sort of pre-season preparation as a whole, not necessarily week to week, but as perhaps like a block to block that might prepare you slightly different to previous years where perhaps you were just playing like your great cricket and hoping to perform to get an opportunity.
2: Um, I think the potential that I think whether I play the first shield game or not, um, I think that my workload is going to increase this year. Um, no matter what, I'd like to think that I'll play more games than I did last year. Um, so, in terms of this preseason, this preseason is a lot about building a big base in terms of strength. Um, you know, strength is that it's the thing that kind of stops you from getting injured. Strong blokes don't really get injured. So, um, yeah, creating a bit of endurance and um, stability in my in my body to be. To be ready to withstand that, because you know, Mm. I certainly wouldn't want to get to, you know, a couple of games into the season and break down. So um, you're saying that Josh
0: Hazelwood isn't strong, Ian?
2: (laughs) Maybe, maybe he's too strong. (laughs) Who knows?
1: Ian, I want to, I want to ask you a quick question while we're on this point. There's that one side of building, um, you know, the strength and the endurance but where does like recovery come into it for you and what kinds of techniques or things, or what are you prioritizing in terms of your recovery to make sure, yeah, you are sort of um, covering all bases when it comes to um, playing a whole season and and not breaking down.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm, I hate stretching. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a very flexible person. So um, that's not really one for me. Um But nowadays there are a lot of different ways to recover. Well, I think um, prioritising sleep um, and especially for me, I think um, prioritising what I eat and making sure it's good. Um, I really enjoy my cooking. Um, I'm starting to enjoy it more and more um, day by day kind of thing. So it's something that I really enjoy um, trying to find new ways to um, eat really nice food but making sure that it's high in protein, high in um, carbs and and the biggest one that's probably getting introduced now is more high fat diets as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd say food and sleep and then, yeah, any little things I can do in and around there, whether it's going down to the beach or, um, getting in the water there or, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't like stretching, but I do do it from time to time.
0: (laughs) Awesome. What I want to know, Ian, last year, like you said, you were with the hurricanes and, you would have uh, spent some time around some good players there too, but I want to delve into sort of how you've consumed cricket during the big bash. Like how much cricket are you watching? Are you watching every game? Are you just watching the Hurricanes play? And when you do watch it, it's kind of what are the things you're looking for while you're watching it? Like are you watching the bowlers and their strategies? Are you watching batters and trying to think what would I do in these situations? So just kind of touch on a few things about when you're actually watching cricket.
2: Um. Yeah, I I love watching the big bash. I think it's um it's a great product, it's a great spectacle. Um it's always nice to have something to watch every night. Um so yeah, I'll mm. watch I watch a lot of games. Um but I probably am not strict on making sure that I'm watching. I'm not the kind of bloke who be out to dinner and I'll have my phone out watching the strikers play the Renegades. That's um, me. Maybe That's if Cameron. the camera um I think a lot of it's probably the bowling is a lot of um, probably watching a lot of the different deliveries that they bowl. Mm. Um, it's quite hard to see the field set on TV. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like focusing on that, but I can't really see it. So I think the best thing I can do is I like, like I noticed last year that Sean Abbott bowled a lot of knuckleballs early on in the season, um, which I found interesting, which is a ball that I bowl and, um, Seeing the fields that he set to it after the result, a lot of the time. But um, yeah, things like that, I, I, I enjoy watching. I've got and I've got a lot of mates and people that I want to see do well in different states yeah. and things like that. So I'm always tuning in to see um, how they're going. A lot of time, I sometimes I switch the TV off if it's no one of interest. But um, yeah, I, I watch a fair bit of cricket and um, I enjoy it.
1: Ian, who particularly from other states are you watching? You say you've got a couple of mates now playing um, for some other Big Bash franchises. Who are you always keen to watch, and who you're hoping does really well?
2: Um, I like watching. I like watching Xavier Bartlett uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: from the Heat. I like watching him swing the ball. I think we we're similar-ish in the style that we bowl, so I always enjoy watching him. Uh, Maxie Bryant there as well. Um, yeah, and then. You know, Tommy Rogers, who plays for the Renegades. I play club cricket with him, so I'm always tuning in to see how he goes. Bo Webster, um, playing for the Stars. Like, there's blokes within your squad that, you know, mm-hmm. just silky at the sixes. And um, Blake Nicotaris, I lo- loved seeing him make his debut for the Thunder last year. I thought that was that was great. I think he could be a, a really good T20 player.
1: Love that. And just as we begin to wrap up today, Ian, I, I want to ask a question about, Um, failing or um, you know some hard times throughout your career and though you have sort of had a nice pathway compared to others into the system what are some of the things that have been difficult for you and and what kinds of learnings have you taken from those tough times
2: probably learning to enjoy the process of getting better Mm. um you know coming into the tassie team especially or the squad you know, I really wanted to make my debut as quickly as possible and Mm. um, get out there and play and perform and things like that. But I think understanding what it really takes to be able to perform at that level. Um, So, yeah, I think the biggest learning would be around the selection stuff is that a lot of it's stuff you can't control. Um, But then being able to learn to have the tough conversations with coaching staff and, and ask kind of the nitty gritty questions as to why you're not playing and, and go and and work on those things. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I think I've had a relatively um, nice stretch into the pathway. Although, you know, a lot of it's there are a lot of ups and downs, and a lot of doubts mm. around whether you're going to be able to make it or not. And um, I think, yeah, just learning about what it takes to be a good cricketer um, and then doing that brings you a little bit more confidence that you, if you're doing this well, then you should be able to perform at that level. So.
1: With the cricket, you've consumed Ian now, like you say, five years, you watch a lot of cricket and you've had some exceptional mentors over the last few years. If you could, um, as Ian now, go back and, and put something in the tool belt of Ian at like 12 years old, what would you go and give that Ian or or what would you go and, and share some knowledge with that Ian to, to help the, um, the pathway to be a bit smoother or just improve your results at a bit of a younger age?
2: Very good question. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be too hard on myself at twelve for sure. I think I'd make sure that I was enjoying the game, um, which yeah. I think I did really well. Um, but yeah, just understanding that. Yeah, it's going to be tough to get to the level that, that you want to get to, and yeah, maybe let twelve year old in that know that there's going to be a fair few setbacks along the way. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm really not sure to be honest.
0: Is there a slightly different question, Ian. Is there anything you're doing now that you wish you just started a couple of years ago? Mm. You touched on earlier, like changing from outcome goals and focusing on the process. Is there anything else that you wish you perhaps started a couple of years earlier?
2: Uh actually I tell you what I tell twelve year old Ian, i tell him to brace his front leg so he started by <laughs> thunderbolts. That'll be all good now.
0: I faced how Oval, mate. You're bowling pretty quick that day. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that I honestly think the length stuff. I think I've always been a bloke who pitches the ball up and wants to see it swing. Um. One of the things Jacko Bird told me was that it doesn't matter how much it swings; it matters where it swings from. So. Um, mm, that's good. Yeah, I feel like I've always been relatively accurate, but um, to play at this level, you have to be. Far, far more accurate than than you could imagine. So, um, yeah, I'd say make sure that yeah, keep trying to bowl fast and all that, but um, learn how to hit the wicket hard and and generate a bit more bounce and and pace out of it by by controlling your length. I'd say
1: so good. And Ian, we've spoken today a lot about you as a cricketer and as an athlete, but what kinds of things are you doing away from the field to get away from the game and? You know, how do you spend your spare time? What kind of hobbies are you into at the moment?
2: Well I do like my golf, but with my back I haven't been able to play for a little while. Mm. Um which has been a bit frustrating. But um well me and Mitchie Owen are about to start uh the Tassie Tigers podcast. So um, oh,
0: hopefully,
2: hopefully we'll be uh that'll be taking up a little bit of my spare time and something to upskill in and hopefully uh give a lot of cricket fans like you blokes to join an, an insight into um, professional life and the, the mindset and the stories that a lot of these uh, blokes have. Um, but yeah, I think especially in the off season, I like to get well away from cricket, whether it's going back to Sydney. I um, just got back from Europe, which is good fun going over to see my family in Scotland. And um, But yeah, just spending time with good people, I'd say.
1: Yeah, well, sounds like you've got everything right at your feet, mate. You've got... Podcast coming up, possibly the first Shield game. You just got back from travel, so if uh, anyone needed some motivation to try and become a professional cricketer, there it is, right there. <laughs> now, nah, well, thanks very yeah. much. Obviously, today Ian for jumping on. This was round two for us. You were my very first episode on the on the Rise podcast. We're now plus fifty episodes on the uh, My Peak podcast. So very grateful to have you in today, legend.
2: Ah, uh, thanks for having me. I love all the all the stuff you blokes are doing, especially in the area.
1: Oh, thanks, Matt, and all the best for the upcoming season and look after yourself during pre-season.
2: Thank you.